Will you turn with me, please? Just to one verse, but we'll look at other scripture. To the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 3. One verse for our opening text. Keep your Bibles open. Jeremiah chapter 3. I'll get a drink while you're looking it up. Just the one verse, verse 15, please. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let us pray. We thank you indeed, Heavenly Father, that we can praise you through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, And in the spirit of the Lord, we thank you for everyone who has come. We thank you for everyone who has sung, for the group who has led us, for their gifts and their talents being employed to thy service. We thank you tonight, Lord, that we come, as always, through the precious blood of Jesus, the blood of your Son, the Lamb of God. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And we worship you and we love you and we adore you. We tell you there's none like you. We know there's none beside you. And thou alone art God. Pray, Lord, for these few moments allotted to me. Lord, that you would take thine own word and wing it to every heart, imprint it upon every mind, inscribe it deep within our spirits tonight, we pray. And if there's one here who's not saved, if there's one here who's walked away from God and backslidden in heart and in state and in life and in case, We pray, O God, that thy spirit, he would move from seat to seat and heart to heart and touch the life here and there. Even, Lord, as you deem it and seem it fit to do. Anoint this man with clay lips, the power of the Holy Ghost. We pray, O God, that the anointing oil would flow upon every heart tonight. As thy blessed spirit moves from seat to seat. May Christ be exalted. May Christ alone be lifted up and glorified. May he alone be set on high. And may we fix our gaze on him tonight. Show us the cross. And show us the lamb. Show us the blood. But show us the risen, exalted, glorified Savior. And to that end, Lord, we pray, as we wait upon thee, as we wait upon thy settled presence among us, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. 
and for his glory alone. Amen. The Lord says to a backslidden, wayward people of Israel, here especially Judah, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now the pastors here in Old Covenant also gives the idea and lends itself to that of civil authority. In other words, they are magistrates and then they are ministers. Every one of our government is a magistrate. Everyone who makes the law in our nation is a magistrate, not just in court practice, but in the eyes of God, they are placed there by divine authority. And hence, they're magistrates unto God, and they are to minister righteous living and right laws before God. To look at Great Britain, we wonder, we can't help but think, where has it all gone wrong? But pastors are also religious ministers. And the Lord said he would give Israel pastors. Here he said to Judah, I'll give you pastors who are magistrates, but who will lead you in the ways of the Lord to do that which is right before me. To lead the flock or the the shepherd over the sheep they would be. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. The first thing we must take note of here in this little verse, in this word pastors being mentioned, pastor means God would give us a man gift. They are men gifts from God. Notice, I will give you. It's a gift from God. I will give you pastors. That's why in the magistrates and the leading of a nation, if they are bringing unjust laws and regulation into a, into a nation, we find that they are also given by God to judge the nation because they have turned away from the selfsame God. The Lord says, but I'll give you pastors who will be righteous, ministers of authority in church and in state. I will give you. Now, Christ is seen in all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And Christ is the, the chief shepherd or the chief pastor of us all. Like myself, and when we speak of Glenn, he will, we are under shepherds. To be led by the Lord, to be directed by the Lord, and by his word and his word alone should we be governed and guided. But the Lord is a good God. He's a giving God. And he says, I will give you, pastors, notice, according to mine own heart. Not wicked men, not lazy men, not even self-righteous men, 
I will give you pastors after my heart. God led men, Holy Ghost inspired men, those men who will be of the word of God. Civil authority is even used here for pastor. In James chapter 1 and in verse 17, I love the way James puts it that every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. Now pause a minute and take note of this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And the Lord says, I'll give you pastors after mine own heart. That doesn't mean to say you're perfect. It doesn't mean to say that after God gives you shepherds or pastors after his own heart, everyone will like you or even agree with you. Some will even dare to hate you and despise you and say wrong against you. But nevertheless, if they are in tune with God's heart on the issue at hand, God says they are a gift from me. Don't abuse the gifts of God. Take note of this. Every good gift. Can I say to you, friend, tonight, everything that you count good in your life is a gift from God. Ah, I worked hard for what I've got. It's a gift from God. Your children are a gift from God. Your family are a gift from God. The very roof over your head is a gift from God. Every good, agathos is the word. In other words, it's the word that means everything that you deem lovely and precious and good. It's a gift from God. You might say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there is such a God. Well, Psalm 14 in verse 1. Psalm 53 and verse 1 and on down the psalm say the same things. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And that's how God sees the man and woman who will not look to him, nor believe in him and trust in him. Especially when he bestows gifts of grace. Good gifts. Loving things. Lovely things. Kindness, generosity. Our God is an a stingy God. God is not a stingy God. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of plentiful. He's a God of goodness, giving good gifts. We might even say, well, even my children, sure we made them. We're human beings. We make children. Psalm 139. The psalmist way back then even says that the child will say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That only God knows how he is knit and she is knit in the womb of, of the mother. Only God knows. And magistrates have turned this around. Where now it is a dangerous place in the womb of some mothers. It's a good gift. Your child is a good gift. And every perfect gift is from above 
and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. The word variableness here, it means there's no fickleness with God. He doesn't say he's with you one moment and leave you the next. He's not like some people. He doesn't say I love you one moment and lift his love off you the next. He doesn't say I want to bless you one moment and then curse you the next. He's a good God and he's a perfect God. And all of the gifts that we have are a blessing of God given to us in the person of Christ. We turn to Luke 11, if you will, please. And listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. Luke 11 and verse 9. The Lord Jesus said, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now take note of this. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If he then, being evil, it means to be in carnal, natural human beings with a, a, a depravity within ourselves, not even able to lift ourselves to the glories of Christ in heaven. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Think about this. In the goodness of God and the giftings of God and the grace of God, that God gives us good things and we take it for granted. Your life is a gift from God. Every breath you have taken in this meeting is a gift from God. Everything you are hearing tonight is a gift from God. Your eyes are seeing it is a gift from God. How are you treating and dealing with a gift from God? That's a question, isn't it? Come on, backslider. Come on, unsaved friend. God has given you the gift of breath in your lungs to this moment, and you're not promised the next one. Your health is a gift from God. Living to this moment is a gift from God. The beat of your heart, every heartbeat is a gift from God. Every second with every heartbeat is a gift from God. And what have you done with it? And what will you do with it should God give you more? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. God is not in the business of giving his own. His elect. God is not in the business of giving us bad things. But he wants to bless us with the good. He's a good God. He's a good father. He is generous. He's not stingy. He's not miserable. 
but he is plenteous in abundance of grace and of mercy. And so in Jeremiah 3, the Lord says, And I will give you pastors, notice, according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Notice here, there is a job for these pastors or shepherds to do. The job is to feed with knowledge and understanding. Can you go with me to the book of Ephesians, please? The book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Let your eye run down, if you will, to verse 11. And Jeremiah says to Israel, I'll give you pastors after mine own heart. How can God give us pastors after his own heart? Save we be, we be rescued from our sin and washed in the blood and saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. How can he give us pastors if they're not saved? Because they can't lead right. They can't guide right. But they're after mine own heart means they are one with him in the spirit. And they are in his son. Notice Ephesians 4 verse 11. Here is his promise fulfilled. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Why did he give us these people? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So now he's saying these, they're called the pastors, the poimen. The poimen is, it's the shepherd. It means to feed. In fact, and throughout the New Testament, sometimes the word feed, F-E-E-D, is the exact same as the word shepherd. And it's the exact same word as pastor. Poimen covers all of these names. But notice what it says. It is for the body of Christ, for the working of the ministry. And then in verse 13, how long is it for? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here is the reason that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth of love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Listen, there are people in our society, there are men and there are women in our society, and even in the church, universal, who claim Christ and know not Christ, who say they are Christ and are not Christ, who profess Christ but do not possess Christ and are none of Christ. But they come in and they bring every wind of doctrine. They bring the slight of men Cunning craftiness. They lie and wait to deceive. I want to ask you something. Is the devil, maybe through a person, is he deceiving you in your life? Is this cunning craftiness, that old serpent, the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field, it says in the book of Genesis. That old devil, the subtle one, Is he speaking to your ear? 
Is he speaking into your life? Has he spoken to your heart? Has he blinded your eyes and your minds? And God has given the greatest gift of all in the person of Christ. A man gift. His only begotten son. No devil says doesn't exist. It's just a fable. It's only a fairy tale. It's a big daddy Santa Claus type in the heavens that you're dreaming of. You'll die and go to the grave and that's the end of you. When the scriptures tell us it is appointed unto man once to die. Notice, once to die. After this, after this, the judgment. You might say you're crazy, Ken. You're a crazy preacher. You're mad about these things. I can tell you, I've been mad, but now I can completely see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I was once one of those people. I was one of those that didn't know was it or God was or not a God. I knew not Christ. Didn't grow up in a Christian household. But I can tell you, I realized one day hearing the word of God, I realized I was a sinner. I realized there was a God in heaven. And one day I would stand before him. And I realized that that day would be a day when I would be found guilty as charged. Guilty before a holy God. I cried for mercy. I repented of my sin. And Christ came in. Saved by grace. And that not of yourselves. It is the, listen, the gift of God. And not of works lest any man should boast. Oh, the crafty serpent, the cunningness of this one will tell you it was appointed unto man once to die, and that's it. No. It was appointed unto man once to die after this. It's an appointment you will not be able to escape. You might say I'm crazy. Well, here's the thing. If I'm crazy when I die, and if there's no God, well then, I've lost nothing and had a blessed life. I've been rescued from my drink and drugs and all of those things. But listen, if I'm, if I'm wrong, then that's, that's as far as it goes with me. But if I'm right and you're wrong, if I'm right and you're wrong, then you will spend eternity in a lake of fire. If I'm right, let me put it like this, since the scripture is right, let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the scripture says. Let God be true. And every man a liar. You sense the spirit? The silence he brings to the meeting. He starts to break the hardness of the heart. And you know your conscience. You know even... You know the hard attitude you put on? I'm a tough guy. I don't believe in all that. Yeah. When you're lying in your bed at night and you don't know whether you'll wake up in the morning, you'll not be too tough. 
I've been there. God is a good God. And you might say there is no God. Well, I've said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Listen, uh, Dr. Peter Stoner and Robert C. Newman wrote a book called Science Speaks. And it was vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation. So this isn't a Christian thing. It was vouched for by the American Scientific Affiliation. And it was on, what are the odds? What are the odds of one man fulfilling eight prophecies out of 60? Just eight out of 60, which he fulfilled around Calvary. What are the odds? I wish I could tell you the number because it's 10 to the power of 17. I think it's like a one with 17 zeros behind it. And this is how they explained it. If you take Texas, if you've ever been to Texas, you, you could drive forever and you never get across Texas. I've been there a number of times. And Texas seems to go on forever and ever and ever. It's a massive state. And they've worked this out that if you took a silver dollar, let's call it a 10 pence piece for ours. If you took a 10 pence piece and the size of the 10 pence, and you marked it with a black mark on it, and you went to the middle of Texas and you filled the whole of the surface of the whole of the state of Texas, the whole state now, from top to bottom, from north to south, the east to west of Texas, and you filled it two foot high with ten pence pieces, and you got this ten pence piece, and you flung it into the middle of Texas somewhere, and you took him on and blindfolded him and said, you've one chance, you've one chance to find that coin. That is the odds of Christ or one man fulfilling only eight of the 60 prophecies he fulfilled. Now only God can do this. And you can tell me there is no God. God gives nine spiritual gifts to the church. 1 Corinthians 12. But in Ephesians 4 and 11, there are five gifts, man gifts they're called. Apostles. It's called the hand of God by some. The hand of God. The thumb is the apostle, if you want. The strength of the, of the universal church, if you want. They, the apostles, the, the writings of the apostles, the preaching of the apostles. The apostles. And then there's the prophets as this finger. Pointing, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And then there's the evangelist, the furthest reaching finger, reaching out. And then comes the pastor alongside them and accompanies the ministry. And then the fifth one is teachers. And some of these are intertwined and intermingled. But nevertheless, it is the hand of God and they are called man gifts to the church. And, and the pastor here, the poimen, is the man gift, the shepherd, the feeder. Of the flock. I must run on as time is racing here. Secondly, the pastor is to have 
God's heart and God's mind on every issue before he moves, before he decides. I will give you pastors according to mine heart, said the Lord. Notice mine heart. It is well with God's people when pastors are leading according to God's own heart. It is well with the people when pastors make God's rule their rule and God's will their will. And when his will swallows up and governs the pastor's life. Glenn, being a pastor isn't just about a title. Being a pastor is a lifestyle. I'm conscious of my lifestyle, of my wife's lifestyle. I'm conscious that it eats my mind up 24 7. You know, I was away a couple of days this week to get a wee break. Glenn took the phone off me. But you see, I have a wee family phone. And Alison caught me on on Wednesday night making a phone call. The man down there. She caught me on. And I was like, she doesn't know I'm phoning. I told her I wouldn't make any phone calls. Because a pastor can't help himself. I mean, I mean a pastor who, who, who loves the work of God. Oh, you're going to get difficult sheep. <laughs> really difficult sheep. Very difficult sheep. <laughs> Sometimes, no matter how we try, it's never enough. But the work of God in its entirety is always on your mind. I finish tonight, I'll go home at two in the morning, I'll still be thinking about you. First thing when I get up in the morning, I'll check any messages in case anyone has been contacting me and I haven't woke up or heard it. Every morning, throughout the night, and as you get older, sometimes you have to visit the bathroom a bit more, even when it's at the end. It's a pastor's life, a pastor's heart. is always focused on the sheep and who is there, who's not there, who's walked away and who has stayed. You're driving your car, your conversation will never be the same again. You and Sarah will be going away somewhere and all you do is talk about the work. Often I do very little to talk about outside the work. It's 24-7, it's seven days a week. Even on your holidays, you think it, you live it, you eat it, you breathe it. And a minister who doesn't, I don't understand that minister. Abram 
Abraham was called the friend of God. Hey, what a title, friend of God. Oh, Father Abraham, the friend of God. And yet in Christ, he says, we're no longer slaves or servants, but he says, you're my friends. Daniel was a man greatly beloved of God. And imagine being greatly beloved of God. And yet in his grace and mercy, he sends his son in great love to die for us. How greatly loved you are, church. How greatly loved you are, brothers and sisters. How greatly loved you are, friend, that this one would come to die for you. Will you reject his love again? Moses is the servant of God, and what a great pleasure it is to serve the Lord. And Christ was the greatest servant of all. Old Jacob, that old twisted nature, has changed Israel as he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And he's made a ruler or a prince with God. And sure, aren't we all made kings and priests unto God in Christ? It's all in Christ. Everything we have, the man gift of God, his only beloved son. And David was a man after God's own heart. What a title. See that man. He's a friend of God. That would be good. That's good. Because Christians can say that in the new covenant in Christ. I see that man or woman, they're greatly beloved of God. Yeah, we can say that because Christ has died for us. That man or woman, they're a servant of God. Yeah, they see us serving in the church. And he he used to be an old twister. But now he's a good Christian man. He's a ruler with God. All sound good. But you know what? For someone to turn around and say, see him. See that pastor and his wife. They're servants after God's own heart. After the heart of Christ. We can serve and still not have the heart of Christ. And may people say that, Glenn, when they see you and Sarah have the heart of God. The heart of God isn't about being uh, some sort of whimsical uh, effeminate walkover pastor. It's about being a man who's strong. A woman who's strong. It comes into your home and affects your family. It comes right into the middle of your dining room table. It's you and her in the car talking about it. Trying to, to get over things and trying to get through the hurt of people. Trying to know how to minister, where to minister, when to minister. And at the end of it all, how do we do it? By coming and realizing we're sinners saved by grace ourselves. And oh, but for the grace of God, none of us would stand. Thirdly and lastly, the pastors to feed the flock. The pastors to feed the people. I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And the word pastor here in the Old Testament is the word raw. And as I said, it means feed, to feed. It gives the idea of a shepherd or a herdsman, one who feeds. And what are we to feed? With knowledge and understanding. Glenn was bringing the word this morning 
And he brought a terrific word this morning, a really good word this morning. And actually, there's a few things that I'd been praying about recently and even talking to Alison with yesterday. And I thought you'd bug my living room. But it spoke to me. It spoke to me. We are to feed. We are to not be lording over God's heritage, his flock. But we're to be in samples of the flock till the chief shepherd appears. I'm going to close this in a moment. Proverbs 15 and verse 14 says, The heart of him that, under, that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. Notice, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Brother, sister, see if you want to do well in the Lord. What I mean do well is if you want to have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, if you want to have the consciousness of God in your life, if you want to have the nearness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, then listen to this. The heart of him that hath understanding seeks knowledge, seeks more of Christ, and seeks the face of God, and, and wants to have the heart after the Lord. Notice, but the mouth of a fool feeds. It's the same word as pastors. It's the same word as shepherds. It's the word law, and it means the mouth of the fool feeds or pastures or comes to places where they're fed, and it's not from God. It's not the word. There's no time for fables, there's no time for the furry tales. Every preacher may give an illustration, but we cannot live on illustration. We cannot spiritually thrive and live on illustration. We must live on this, the broken bread of life, and feast upon it. And the pastor is to feed on it himself. If there's no feeding there, there'll be no feeding here. I like to watch around sometimes and listen to other preachers preaching. I sleep every night with a preacher in my ear. I fall asleep every single night and wake up when he stops preaching and I realize I didn't listen to it. I have to put it on again. Every night, I go to sleep. I go to sleep like that. I was listening to a preacher and I thought, I put him on. And the church sang for about an hour and 15 minutes. He got up and spoke for 14. And that was the end of the service. He got up for a book for 14. And that was the end of the service. This should have the preeminence. Amen, Christian? Amen. Has the preeminence. Well, I'll sing all night if you want, but as long as you listen to the word all night. You're to feed the flock, but you're to feed and pasture yourself. And then come and break the bread of life to the flock. So listen to this. I'm going to just rhyme this off for you. It's okay. A wee bit of insight I've jotted down. Sorry, you need to remember this. I'm aiming it at the pastor, but it's really for you too. Because it comes into your home. The shepherd is one who is responsible for watching out for enemies. Trying to attack the sheep. The pastor should be defending his sheep from such attacks. 
The pastor heals their wounds, nursing them to health. If, if they let him and some have a festering wound, they just don't want closed. You can't close it no matter what you do. But you're to try. Look out for the sheep. Finding them, saving them who are lost. Straying sheep from danger, loving them. Sacrificing your life. Sacrificing your time. Sacrificing everything that you maybe done before. Changes from this moment. And that's the heart of God. The pastor must be above reproach. A faithful husband. Sober-minded. Self-controlled. Respectable. Hospitable and approachable. Able to teach and instruct and sound doctrine. Not a drunkard. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. Good, a good manager of his household. A diligent father. Not a recent, a recent convert. A pastor must have a good Christian testimony. He must be dignified, not double-tongued. He must hold to the faith at all times, in all situations, even when it's in your home. Not arrogant, nor, but disciplined. A pastor must live an upright and holy life, able to love and, and rebuke those who contradict the word of God. Pastor must be an ensample or an example to the flock. A pastor must keep close to Christ. A pastor must sacrifice on his wife too and his family. A pastor is a preacher, a teacher, a counselor, a wedding officiant, a funeral director. <laughs> you sure you want to come in? A pastor is one who carries spiritual burdens. A pastor is one who is awakened at night with concern for the people and for the work of God, continually thinking who was present and who was absent. A pastor is always thinking about the coming Sunday's message and we carry it until we deliver it. We think uh, how we done that evening. Was it delivered rightly or wrongly? A pastor constantly thinks of his application and his presentation of the said message. A pastor invests his life in the people who eventually turn on him, who leave him and forget all that he's done for them. A pastor gets critiqued on how he lives life, on how he's preached the word. A pastor gets critiqued on how his family are. Pastor gets critiqued on the clothes he wears. Believe it or not, I've had people open the suit to see if it was a dear one or not. That's the truth. A pastor must stand in difficult places, in troubled waters, between warring factions. A pastor must smile when he feels like doing other ways. A pastor must love when he's been hated. A pastor must continue to minister when, when hearts are hardened toward him and when attitudes are an, as an adamant stone against him. The pastor must still be here to do it. A pastor must always remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. He says... My grace 
is sufficient for thee. Therefore is my strength made perfect in weakness. Paul says, most rather will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Glenn, are you ready? With God's grace, Alison and I will be here to support you and Sarah, to help you, to lead you, to guide you the best possible. Stand with you and stand beside you.